Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to podcasts, the word and the act. While podcasts cloak themselves in a plethora of disguises, its favorite mantle still remains, sex. Podcasts devour all they touch, their voracious appetite rarely fulfilled. Yet podcasts not only destroy, they create and mold as well. Let's examine closely, then, this dangerously evil creation, this new breed encased and contained within the subtle skin of movie criticism. The softness is there, the unmistakable smell of presumptive intellect, the content shiny and silken, the content yield yet wanton. But a word of caution. Listen with care and don't drop your guard. This rapacious new breed prowls both alone and in packs, operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or two nerds on your MP3 player. I never try anything. I just do it. Like, I don't beat clocks. Just people. Want to try me? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, it's fairly simple. Steve and I take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Or bad, which this one isn't. Yeah, that's right. I'm doing the review now. Boy, you're just you're spoiling it for everybody. <laughs> I don't care anymore. I'm taking a, a note out of Varla. I want everything now, and I'm doing it. <laughs> Uh, so this time around, <laughs> I should probably finish the intro proper. Right? You should do it, yeah. People okay. have grown to, they've grown accustomed to it. It's what they need. We take a classic movie and we see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or super bad. <laughs> so tantalizingly bad. And this time around, we're taking a look at a movie that's... Oh, I can't... I'm just thinking about it. It's making my pants tight, Steve! Oh... Be professional. All right. <clears throat> the movie that we're going to review this time around is a classic example of neo-expressionism satire in which mm-hmm. someone takes a look at the American uh, cultural experience through the eyes of super hot babes with a huge rack. <laughs> <laughs> a masterful blend of irony and kitsch. A movie that I watch over and over again and pause in several keyframes. <laughs> The movie that we're going to watch is the classic, highly influential, sexploitation film, Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill. Which is also one of the all-time great titles. That's right. <laughs> of, of pretty, of anything. Of a movie, of a book, of a TV mm-hmm. show, pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, before we uh, start talking about who made this, um, do you have any trivia you'd like to share about Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill? I, I have a little bit, um... This, as you mentioned just a moment ago, this is one of the most influential exploitation films ever made, uh, mm-hmm. and it was particularly influential for two filmmakers that went on to have very successful and influential careers in their own right. The first of those is John Waters, yep. uh, who called this the greatest film ever made. And possibly uh, the greatest film yeah. that no other film will the, be able to top. The greatest film that will be made, yes. He yeah. he loved it. Uh 
and uh, it, it's, it counts it as, as a, a very strong influence, which you can definitely see, especially in John oh, Waters' yeah. early work. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one, of course, which will become obvious to anyone who has seen this filmmaker's work and then watches this movie for the first time, is Quentin Tarantino, who has <laughs> been... who has been. I mean, they, they say he's working on a remake of this movie now, but he's kind of been no. remaking this movie <laughs> for the no. last few years. This movie uh, doesn't need a remake, Steve. Not oh, by anybody. But even I, someone like Quentin Tarantino, who would probably do a good job, it doesn't need a remake. Oh, I agree. I'm just tell, I'm just telling you the facts, man. I agree. You better make it a remake it in black and white. Yeah, I know. But yeah, so it's, it's one of Tarantino's favorite movies. Obviously, you can see its influence in a lot of his films, uh, particularly Death Proof, which I recommended in a past episode, uh, which has. Uh, some very very obvious lifts from Faster Pussycat Kill Kill among many other influences Uh, so yeah very 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 influential uh, Mm -hmm. film one of arguably the most one of the most if not the most influential exploitation film certainly to come out of the 60s so there you go oh yeah this isn't just some trashy film, although it was made like one. Yeah. This is this is. I know I'm kind of doing the review a little bit early, but this this film has stuff to say, and it was made by talented people. Yeah, and, and including one one of the most deceptively talented directors in American cinema, being Russ. Oh Meyer. boy, does he swerve people! Super easy to dismiss him as being just like a cheesecake, you know, skin flick guy, but he is who loves big tits. Yeah, That's, but. All of which is true, but he also yeah. is capable of some very, very sharp uh, commentary and some really quality filmmaking. So, oh yeah, so I'm I'm just gonna do it. Let's do it. You okay. want to do the Who Made do It? Do the Who Made It. All right, baby. Here we go. It was directed by <laughs> Russ Meyer. I love you, Russ. I know you're somewhere in the ethereal plane, or you you dissipated into atoms. I don't care. I love you, Russ. <laughs> Thank you for making this movie. <laughs> Produced by Russ Meyer. Thank you, Russ, again. I, I, I don't want... I just want to make sure that I, you get all the thanks. <laughs> and also, huh, Eve Meyer, his wife. Oh, it was a family affair. Well, he also named the production company after her. So, yeah, he had a production par- a producing partner that was his wife, who was like, <laughs> yeah, bigger tits. <laughs> yeah. Russ, are their tits big enough? I just don't know. <laughs> Can we cut... Tura's top even lower than it already is. <laughs> I don't think you're featuring her bosom in your shots nearly enough, Russ. Yeah. Written by Russ Meyer. Thank you, Russ. <laughs> and Jack Moran. Starring Tura Satana as Varla, Haji as Rosie, Lori Williams as Billy, Susan Bernard as Linda, Stuart Lancaster as the old man, Paul Trinka as Kirk, Dennis Bush as. The Vegetable, <laughs> Ray Barlow as Tommy, Mickey Fox as the gas station attendant, and John Furlong as the narrator. Music, thank you, Paul. Paul Sattel and Bert Schefter. A lot of this movie gets a lot of its style from the music that they employed. Not mm-hmm. so much the theme. I, I mean, I know people like the theme song that's in this. I'm not that big on it. It's it's all right. Yeah. It's a little distracting and it seems kind of out of place with the, the jazzy score that's in the rest of it. But uh, I don't even. Who, who was it made by? Who did the song? Oh, the Boss Tones? Y- oh, I forget. Oh, my God. Let me. Something like that. The Boss Tweeds. The Boss Tweeds. <laughs> the Boss Tweeds. Oh, how clever. Uh huh. Cinematography by Walter Schenk. Good job, Walter. Edited by Russ Meyer. Russ, thank you. <laughs> a million times thank you. You are a great editor, by the way. (laughs) 
production company Eve Productions, distributed by RM Films International, released on August 6, 1965, running time 83 minutes. Thank you, Russ. (laughs) (laughs) Get in, do what you need to do, get the hell out. Uh Uh-huh. Budget, Mm $45,000. Here's the surprising bit. Box office, $36,000. Yeah. So it didn't make its money back. And I'm trying to figure out why, because its trappings are of that of a grindhouse film. Something that goes out, people go in, they watch it. He was giving them the things that you normally would want to get in a grindhouse film. Women fighting, big bazooms, um, nudity that doesn't show nudity, violence... You know, um, a, a, a big dumb guy. <laughs> I don't know if that's something that people want. <laughs> Got to check say. that one off. <laughs> Maybe it's because the typical Grindhouse viewer back in 1965 went in and said, "This makes me feel something like thinking." I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do that. What's this? What's this social commentary crap? If I wanted that, I'd watch <laughs> fucking Star Trek. Okay. <sighs> all right, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Here's your top. Zip it all oh, the way down you. to your navel. Oh, it's. It's it's, it's, a little, it's a little tight. I don't care. Push the boozooms together. Okay, Come on. Okay. We're going to drive through the desert, and we're going to laugh while we're doing it. Oh, that sounds like fun. Then we're going to kill a couple of kids. We're going to kill Gidget and her boyfriend. That sounds like a lot of fun. And let's get in our cars, our sporty sports cars, and we're going to drive into the world of faster pussycat kill kill. And you better stay on my. You better stay right behind me, sister, or I'm gonna cut you sideways next to nowheres. Splitsville, man, Daddy O's wild bean bazoom. There's no way I can match the dialogue that was written for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you ready, crop top? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, Steve. Yeah, take it away. Well, we we open with this awesome narration that is from a particularly overwritten episode of The Outer Limits, it seems That's like. That's what I was going to say. I said, man, this is the weirdest opening to The Outer Limits yeah, ever. Yeah, like, wow. They're... It's like the guy who hosted The Outer Limits just goes crazy. Like, I've got some things to say, and I don't care what you think. <laughs> Here's my dissertation on violence. Yeah. Yeah, it's this narration with uh, a, a an ever-increasing number of, of, like, vibrating chords on the screen, uh, uh, that like, oscilloscopes. Representing that, his voice, yeah. Yeah, representing yeah. the voice. And he basically gives us a little monologue to open with about mm-hmm. uh, how we're about to enter the world of violence, violence that disguises itself in sex. And the women we're about to see, they, they have the, the softness and the smell of women, uh, mm. but we should handle them with care because they prowl both alone and in packs. Yeah. And they could be your secretary or your doctor's Ooh. receptionist or, oh <laughs> or a dancer in a go-go club. Cut. Hard cut <laughs> <laughs> to Varla, Rosie, and Billy shaking it and shaking it. In what what is maybe one of the most disturbing dance scenes since Metropolis? <laughs> yeah, because they yeah because they they keep cutting to these isolated men in the audience in darkness in darkness uh, screaming, <laughs> yelling, go baby, angry, yeah yeah yeah, like <laughs> encouraging the girls to keep dancing, but really like pissed, like yeah, go baby. Yeah, working them up. They're that's what I mean. Up. It's the woman's fault. They're working up those poor men. They're working them up. That's right, and that's right, motherfuckers. I just referenced Metropolis for my review of Faster <laughs> Pussycat Kill Kill. I mean, you you think Russ Meyer didn't see Metropolis? 
Yeah. Come on. He's he's been around. He he, he was probably a a grip on the set. <laughs> Come on. And this is their dancer we hard cut again. And Varla and Rosie and Billy are Penelope pit stopping all over the desert. <laughs> Driving, each one has their own sports car. Yeah. They're driving hard and laughing, laughing. and racing each other. Yeah. They're driving like the demons that drive their dreams. And uh, Billy pulls over, gets out of her car, jumps into a river fully clothed to go swimming. Yeah. And I think now is a good time for Steve to describe all of these women. It says they're the main women in the movie. Well, they're all uh, quite tall and young and beautiful and voluptuous. Statuesque, I very would statuesque. Say, yeah. Yes, very statuesque. Um,. And uh, yeah, quite striking. You know, Billy you know, is blonde. They're they're pretty, and there's two <laughs> there's two brunettes and a blonde. Two of them can speak English very well. One of one them, of them dresses like an S and M Nazi. Yes, one of them. <laughs> She's the leader. <laughs> That's Varla. That's Varla. And if you don't want Barla, Barla to make out with you and then beat you up a little bit by the end of this movie, you're doing something wrong with your life. <laughs> right. You might think you don't like it, Ruff. You haven't met Varla. <laughs> no, you haven't. And then there's, who's the next one? Rosie. Uh, Rosie, yeah. yeah. She's dark-haired. She's, and she has an Italian accent. She's from a different country. She's from Italy. Hey! Can't you tell from her stupid accent? <laughs> and then there's Billy. Yep. Who's blonde, and she just wants to have fun. Yeah. Right? Exactly. But apparently swimming in this river has really pissed off Rosie. And Varla's like, go get her. Yeah, go. Get her out of the water. Go have a wrestling match. Yeah. Thank you, Russ. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you, Russ. If you don't like this movie by the time after they have a fight, after after Rosie and Billy have a fight in the water, and then they have a fight on the sand, you're not a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what happened. She goes in to get her out of the water. They have a fight in the water. Then they get up on the beach. They have a fight on the beach. And then Varla comes down and says, hey, I know how we can settle this. We're going to play three-way chicken. Yeah. So they drive to the nearby salt flats. And then they play chicken. And, of course, Billy loses, right? Yep. Well, Varla wasn't going to swerve. Right. And then once that's settled, they uh, circle their cars around. And uh, they have a nice smoke break and uh, a drink break where they're throwing beers around and drinking it. And a dance break. Where Billy starts dancing to the radio, right? Yeah, she tur- she's she's got the music inside of her. She just they're can't help it. A full, yeah, they're having a full day. This yeah. is a good day for the Varla gang. Absolutely. Right? Varla's smoking cigarellos or something. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what she's... <laughs> These dark black cigarettes. And then some fucking squares have to drive up and ruin the party, don't they? Oh, boy, yeah. This is, this is Tommy... And his, I don't remember their names. His, you want to know why? Because one, one, what she calls him has stuck in my head, and that's how I referenced him for the rest of the film. She calls him a safety first client. Yes. Oh, boy. Yes. And if we haven't mentioned it before, the use of language from these three characters is so delicious and so wonderful. I, I cannot... There is no way to be able to just off the cuff be able to no. mimic... It's, the dialogue that they come up it's with. It's some of the most distinctive dialogue from a movie. I mean, it's like a cross between, like, something from a beat writer and, like, a detective novel sort of mm-hmm. mixed together. It's with, like, a little hip, you know, hip 60s mod thrown in. Like, it's... And it's, so much double and triple and quadruple entendres oh. that you can't... Oh, you can't. There's no... Oh. And There's a line later in the movie where... Uh, Varla says to Billy, um, what was it? Something like, 
Uh, well, look who's a long time coming. Yeah, and she and says, Billy says, <laughs> she says, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, and and they all do such a good job with it too. The three lead actresses all are, are they deliver this dialogue so perfectly, especially Varla. Uh, oh yeah. But but they all know exactly how to say these lines. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just fantastic. So you get the idea that they're not exactly friends, right? But that they're they're hanging out together because th- th- it's fun. Yeah, I guess? the kicks, man. Yeah, they're in it for the kicks. So, so safety first, Clyde and his girlfriend, safety first, Cindy, show up, <laughs> and he's this square jawed dork, and he wants. He's like, "Hey, so you're testing your your car out?" And they're like, uh-huh. "Yeah, sure." And he's like, "I'm I'm gonna test my car out. And leave my girlfriend here, okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, okay." He and she's just bubbly and happy, and oh boy, that's gonna get beaten out. Yeah, she's not gonna have a good time. <laughs> Hey, safety first, Cindy. This is welcome to the worst day of your entire life. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, Cindy, you stay here and you time me, okay? And he gets in his car and he's going to race his car. And she's supposed to time him, but the girls, they distract her with talking. Yeah, and she she forgets to time her boyfriend's race. And she's like, oh, he's going to be so upset. And one of the girls says, one of the girls says, just make up a time dipshit like just (laughs) that this isn't this isn't a metaphor for something (laughs) (laughs) right look tell him it happens to lots of guys (laughs) he comes up he's a little disappointed and varla's like hey let's race and he's like i don't have to prove anything to you (laughs) (laughs) and we're like yeah you do (laughs) (laughs) i think you do though so they all race Except for Cindy, who who whistles for them to start, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, she eagerly volunteers to be the one to start the race. Yeah, because there isn't a thought in her head. No. And so they race, and then uh, and what's great about this race scene is that they cut to the women who are driving confidently and fantastically through this thing, and every time they cut to safety, <laughs> safety first Clyde, he is grasping his steering wheel with a grimace on his face yes. like he is desperately trying to win. Yeah. He, you know, like he's... <laughs> is it so wrong to take it seriously? I mean, he it's obviously very important to him. Mm-hmm. But then Varla cuts him off, mm-hmm. and he spins out, and he loses control. Yep. And then, at, and then when when yeah. when uh, Linda comes running up and asks what happened, <laughs> Varla blames it on him. Yeah. And he stays in his car for a long time. He didn't get in an accident. He just spun out. Yeah. But he stays in his car for a long time. More than likely, he's doing this. I'm a girl. I can't. Am I a man? Where am I? I can feel my penis, but it feels smaller by the second. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Meanwhile, the girls have started surrounding uh, uh, Safety for Cindy or Linda yeah. and have started pushing her around. Yes. And then they, they take the stopwatch. And she's like, no, he won that. He values it. I love that yeah, line. Hey, you can't over do- me or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's Tommy's. He values it. <laughs> Tommy finally composes himself enough to get out of the car and goes up and he's like, give me my stopwatch. Oh, yeah, my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, her too. And Varla's like, nope, karate chop. And she karate chops <laughs> oh, his boy. hand. 
And she says, now you get in your car and you drive. You two drive away. And it's kind of like, hey, safety first, Clyde. You really need to do that. Yeah. This is this is your first opportunity to just leave. This is this is a moment that will affect the rest of your life. <laughs> Which is going to be about two more minutes. <laughs> yeah, because... If you're not careful. <laughs> because you're about to make the wrong decision. And he does. Yes. They fight. He decides, I'm going to fight her. I'm going to fight her. And she chopsockies him. Oh, boy. He chopsockies her. He fin- she finally gets him on the ground. He gets up, and she says, now get in your car and leave. And she starts to walk away, and then he sucker punches her. Big mistake. Then he punches her in the face. Mm. And so she flips him onto his, onto his stomach, grabs both of his <laughs> arms behind <laughs> his back, and breaks his fucking neck. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. Hey, she gave him a chance. She, she did she, two chances. She she gave him an opportunity to walk away. Yeah, and you know what? If she had been a man, he would have done it too. Yeah, so he underestimated her because <laughs> her tits were everywhere, and, now, and he was like, "Man, maybe I'll get to touch him if we fight." <laughs> and now look at him—he's fucking dead. He's dead in the desert, and of course, uh, Linda screams and pet faints. So they uh, put her, they drug her up, put her in their car, put him in one of the trunks of their cars. <laughs> Well, you're not just going to leave him there, you know. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to. And then they drive and get some gasoline. Yeah, they... they the end. They, <laughs> they, drive, they, 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 they make a pit stop in Mayberry. Okay, we have an abrupt change where we go from the, the murder of this dude to... In which we have a Goober in Mayberry yeah. who's supposed to pump gas. Oh, you yeah. can't stop looking at... at I thought they were going to kill him. Yeah, I honestly yeah. thought Varla's going to murder you. Varla, Varla has one of her best lines of the entire movie in this scene where uh, the Goober character is washing the windows. And while he's washing the windows, he's like leaning in and sort of leering at her through the window. Yep. Um, and she has, he's, he's looking at her cleavage and he says something about... He says, oh, you're going out to discover America, yeah, are you? Yeah, and she says, well, you won't find it down there, Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> With such just vitriol. It's just, oh. Anyway, so while they're all waiting to get gas, Billy sees a gigantic man carrying an old man. Yeah. And uh, the gas jockey comes up and he's like, oh, hey, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. (laughs) Exposition's on the house. That old man tried to save a woman from a train and then he got hit by a train and then he got crippled forever and... uh, uh, the the guy who's carrying him, he's his boy, and we call him the vegetable because he ain't too smart. And they all live out in this compound out in the middle of the desert, and the old man got lots of tons of money, but he doesn't spend it on anything, and they live out there all alone with no phone or nothing. It'd be really easy for three women, such as yourselves, to go out there, murder all of them, and take their money. But that's just me talking. The old gas jockey. Well, bye-bye, and then he dissolves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> he's gone. And what do the girls decide to do? Um, shockingly, they they decide to pay a little visit to uh, the vegetable and his daddy. Yeah, and see and if what maybe they, they do can is find they that f- money. Yeah, and they follow the vegetable the the vegetable's truck, and um, they they get to their little plot of garbage out in the middle of nowhere, and then they're like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, Linda is going to be our cover story. We're going to say that uh, her boyfriend died and her parents want us to bring her back because she's like a runaway or something. Yeah, and her parents are rich mm-hmm. and they don't want any media, which, which yeah. is why nobody knows about this. <laughs> right. And so then Varla goes down and she's going to ninja out the place. She's going to spy on everything. She looks through the window and we see uh, Kirk, who is his oldest son. Yeah. 
The old man, Kirk, his oldest son, and a vegetable. And the vegetable is, is playing with a little kitty cat. Yeah. And we find out that the old man is gross. <laughs> oh, yeah, just a little. Just a little bit evil. Yeah. He doesn't He doesn't necessarily like women. Mm-mm. At all? No. He, Even a little bit? He doesn't like <laughs> them to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> And we cut to that scene too. Oh, thank you, Russ. Thank you. Billy's Billy's taking a, a a shower bath in the water from the water tower. Yeah, it's it's it comes equipped. It comes equipped with a shower. It comes equipped with Jason loving this movie forever is what it is. <laughs> and so they're out there, and she's toweling up. And then uh, what may be what I'd normally, if this appeared in another movie, I would take it to task. But because they put it in these girls' mouths and they talk this way, this line is great in which in which Varla says, and here's where our screenplay starts to unfold yeah. right now. <laughs> yes. A character fucking says that in a movie, and you buy it because that's how these characters talk exactly. throughout the whole thing. We've reached the first plot point. <laughs> I love you so much, Russ <laughs> The old man comes up, being pushed in his wheelchair because he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. We haven't mentioned that. And he's like, uh, ew, girls. <laughs> I don't like, don't, you guys, you can ask them if they're nudists, because they barely wear any clothes. And they're like, no. And he's like, come, come, hey, how about you guys come over for lunch? And then we cut back to the house, and it seems like the old man plans on kidnapping them, probably fucking them, and then killing them? That's, yeah. And it's it's suggested that he's done things like that before. There's, there's yeah. a line to, to the vegetable where he's like, we're paying them back, like every woman is a payment. Uh huh, yeah. and also you got to be more careful. Yeah, <laughs> we're gross. Yeah, we're super gross. We're 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 kin to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that myself. Yeah. Like, are they are they like cousins to Leatherface or something? Jesus. Well, Kirk seems kind of done with the whole being around his father thing. Yeah, Kirk is supposedly just there, like out of family loyalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the vegetable is just a super big, tall, strong chowder head. <laughs> He just yeah. doesn't. He makes Lenny from Of Mice and Men seem like a genius. Yeah, he 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 don't know no better. <laughs> he don't. <laughs> um. So, uh, Billy, who was all horny about seeing the vegetable when they were getting gas, is still real horny and really, really wants the vegetable real bad. She comes up to the house with Linda, and she's like, "I want to go watch you work out." And the vegetable's like, and he goes. And Billy's like, I'll leave our captive with the old man. That'll work, yeah, right? Like, no, no way that could ever go wrong. She goes into the back room where he lifts weights, and we get some good old male exploitation as the muscle guy works out, and she throws every not-so-subtle hint that she's desperate to just ride him into the ground. That's right. But he's too stupid to realize that. And then they hear screaming. And they go out to the porch, and the old man's not in his wheelchair no more. No. And he says, she pushed me over, and she ran away. And she's dangerous. Yeah. And he also has a bit of her clothing in his hand. Yeah, but don't... (laughs) Never mind. That's not... No. I just... I always have a piece of shirt in my hand, because I'm I'm crazy. (laughs) Right, vegetable? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. (laughs) 
So, um, she escapes. She's running down a road, and then she comes across a truck. Yeah, a truck uh, driven by Kirk, who, which she doesn't know yet, but she thinks Kirk yeah. is like just a, a guy who happened to be passing by. And then it's yeah. not until they're like three feet from the farmhouse that she's like, oh, shit, you're one of them. And she has a freak out. Yeah. And she screams, they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. Varla and her group come up, grab her, and say, no, she's real sick. She's uh, she's uh, she's crazy. She's crazy. all kooky after the death of her boyfriend that we had nothing to do with. That's right. No, absolutely nothing. Don't look in the trunk. Yeah, nothing had nothing cars. to do with us. We're just we're just trying to do what's right. So don't ask no That's more questions. Right. Now don't watch us as we beat the shit out. Of her. <laughs> it's the only thing that helps. Uh huh. So while they're beating the shit out of uh, out of out of Linda, Kirk grills the old man about what's going on with these ladies and all this other stuff. Right? Yeah. They cut back and forth. Um. Then oh, and that's right. When uh, when when Linda ran off, Billy and and the vegetable. This isn't a joke, guys. This is how he's credited in the credits. He's, he's called the vegetable. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. They're run off supposedly to find her, but when we come upon them, they're like trying to make out or something. Yeah, yeah. And but they're they're interrupted by a passing train, which the vegetable by, does like not. Nine passing trains. Yeah, boy, <laughs> it's kind of a busy route here, huh? And um, it turns out that the vegetable has, like, PTSD or something. Yeah, he... And just totally interrupts their makeout time because he grabs his head and he starts saying train bad and I don't know what else. Yeah. <laughs> Billy's like, oh, for Christ's sake, do I have to do it myself? Meanwhile, we get catch a glimpse inside the old man's head and, boy, we don't need that, do oh, we, Steve? Oh, no. No, no. He's fucked up real bad. Yeah. And he's, he, he, his son, Kirk, is bringing in the supplies, and he grabs the bottle of whiskey out of the box, and he starts drinking it. And the son's like, it's a little early for that. And he's like, well, the trains are running late. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, the trains are running late. That doesn't mean any... What, you're drinking early. And he's like, well, everything's... Uh, wait, I, got, I can connect. This, uh... <laughs> shut, shut up, Kirk. Just stand there and hold the box. Just a second. I'm drinking. It's not even lunchtime yet. Trains are running late. Um, everything is out of whack. <laughs> you made me stand here for this whole little time for that? Yes, now go away so I can mutter more to myself about how much I hate women and I hope they don't fall into a grinder. <laughs> and I'm not too nuts about trains either, if you want to know the truth. And also cook up a bunch of chicken. Yeah, we're having these ladies for dinner. I mean, they're going to eat with us. <laughs> I mean... They're going to join us at the table, and we're going to have a meal together. I mean, the, the train's late. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cut to lunch! Oh, boy. <laughs> what a great scene this is. If you guys think that your Thanksgivings can get a little uncomfortable, <laughs> try this on for size. We have the wheelchair crazy man who hates women at the head of the table who is drinking from a bottle of whiskey. Yes, straight from the bottle. You have Billy who starts drinking with him. You have Rosie who is, it turns out, is a lesbian and in love with Varla. Yes. As near as I can tell. Who doesn't want to be there. <laughs> you have the vegetable who eats, I think, five pounds of chicken during the scene alone. <laughs> <laughs> Varla, who turns her attention towards Kirk because she figures if she can get on Kirk's good side, she can turn Kirk because in Varla's head, everybody is evil and everybody is rotten. Right. And she, by the power of her breastabules, <laughs> will be able to turn Kirk against her own his own father. 
which in my opinion won't be that hard because Kirk, have you noticed your father? Yeah. I know you live with him, but <laughs> holy shit. He's he's evil <laughs> and he ain't hiding it too well. Yeah. Uh, um then um we then uh, Billy says something out of turn. Varla smacks her in the face. <laughs> Linda has another breakdown saying they're going to kill you all. They're going to kill my boyfriend and everything. Russ says, I guess lunch is over. No, Kirk yeah. says, I guess lunch is over. Yeah. And Kirk, Kirk gets up and leaves. They got to wheel the, the... The old man gets so drunk and weird that they have to wheel him away from the table. Yeah. All right, Dad, <laughs> come on. Billy gets drunk in like three nanoseconds. I know, like one drink and she's history. But it's okay because she gets sober almost as fast. Yeah, just has to sleep it off for a few minutes. Yeah, but she's like, I'm so drunk now. And then we get what is maybe one of the greatest cuts ever. <laughs> we cut from Billy with her mouth grappling the end of a whiskey bottle to Kirk and Varla's mouths grappling with each other. <laughs> yep. I love you, Russ. I love you. Be my grandpa, Russ, please. <laughs> Varla's seduce Kirk plan is going right according to is plan. It's working out yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering how long it took. Yeah, like <laughs> as soon as I got outside. He's like, so you like... Can oh. <laughs> Varla just going, shut up, come here. Shut up. And so what happens? Uh... Yeah, so they start getting ready to do it in the hay yeah uh rosie comes out and she sees them and she gets really upset so that is the implication that uh, rosie is in love with Barbara. yeah and and linda linda runs away again because billy yeah, passes out because billy passes out drunk billy is so drunk because she, she says it out loud i drink until i pass out and soon i'm gonna pass out <laughs> linda's like gotcha <laughs> and see ya and so, yeah, she's she's on the loose again. They hear all the cars getting, everyone's getting ready, and so Varla's like, what's going on? And um, they say, oh, Linda's got away. We got to go out and catch her. The old man and uh, the vegetable in a truck, and then uh, Varla and Kirk in her car, right? Yeah. That's everybody. Yeah. And um, so they get out the truck. They The old man sees Linda running, pulls the truck over, the vegetable gets out and starts chasing her. The old man gets so excited that he falls out of the <laughs> he, he truck gets and out, starts yeah, he's, crawling. He's crawling on the ground. Go get her, because son! Because apparently this is what happened last time. That a woman tried to escape the compound. Yeah. Apparently the vegetable killed a woman trying to escape the old man. Yeah. That's the implication. Yeah, so, I mean, and who knows how many times that happened before. I mean... I don't even want to think about the, it. The California desert is just strewn with corpses <laughs> from this old man. So then the vegetable is about to get get her, and she's screaming and crying, and then the vegetable has a mental breakdown because he says he's a good person. He doesn't want to hurt people. Yeah. And you feel bad for him. I don't like killing all these women. The old man gets disappointed. <laughs> You're no son of mine. He crawls back to the truck. Somehow gets the keys out of the ignition. Yeah. He's, he's you know what? He's persistent. So when Varla and Kirk show up, Kirk runs up. She's like, I'm going to have to institutionalize you, the vegetable. Yeah. I see and now that this family has a problem. And Varla's like, what? <laughs> this is pathetic. You guys are jokes, right? 
People don't have feelings. I'm Varla. <laughs> Which kind of, you know, because then Kirk's like, you're broken, lady. And she's like, I am, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you're goddamn right I am. <laughs> Me and the old man, we're mirrors of each other, right, old man? Yup. <laughs> they pretty much say that in the dialogue. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> so now um, they go back. They're heading back to the truck, and Kirk's like, "I'm going to take Linda home, and I'm going to institutionalize my brother. Give me the keys." And the old man's like, "I threw the keys away. You're not doing anything. That girl's mine." And, uh, yeah, and don't check me for the keys. That's right. I definitely threw them away, where you'll never find them. And then Varla's like, "Hey, suckers! Everyone, get in my car. I'll drive you back to the ha- back to the house." And Kirk and Linda are like, fuck, you know, we'd rather die of exposure in the desert. Fuck off. And Varla's like, all right. All right, fine. How about you, old man? Or the vegetable? And they're like, nope. And then it turns out the old man was just palming the keys. He has keys to track the whole time. He's a master of close-up magic. That's right. So. so <laughs> Got some keys behind your ear there, vegetable. Look at there. <laughs> Where'd they come from? <laughs> oh, oh, shit, shit. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> so Varley gets back to the house gets back to the house first yeah and uh, they have a, a little crazy killer huddle <laughs> in which is like okay well you know what no we're killing everybody yeah. we're killing everybody everybody's dying now Varla's, he, she's putting her master plan into its uh, last state yeah, her we're master plan is everybody. finally fuck it we're gonna kill everybody we're out in the middle of no one no one's gonna find them there's no phone here that's it and Billy's like, no, no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm gonna leave. And Rollo's like, okay. And so uh, Billy leaves, and she drives away. Right? Yep, that's it. That's what happens. She doesn't get switchbladed to no, death, right? Varla, Varla pulls her switchblade, and instead of no, first of all, she tells she tells Rosie, give it him. Yeah. <laughs> and Rosie's like, okay, and she drops to her knees. She's like, no, not that. <laughs> Context. Pay attention to what's happening. <laughs> she takes the switchblade, mm-hmm. and instead of you know like running up and 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 stabbing Billy with it like a total ninja badass, she Damn. flings the switchblade across the uh-huh. farmyard and nails Billy with it right in the back with a one insta kill. No more Billy. <laughs> Billy's dead. Billy is dead. Um. So um. What happens next? Uh, the the truck gets back. The truck gets back. Yeah, the old man and uh, Frankenstein. Yeah, and Varla's like, you get in the car and you run over that old man with the car. <laughs> and, Var- and, and and Rosie's a little hesitant. Yeah. And she's like, we're getting in the fucking car and we're running over the old man with the car. You got it? Don't miss. Old man gets there, gets into his wheelchair, sees Billy's dead body, says, oh, what a waste of meat. <laughs> Tells, tells the girls something stupid that an old man trying to wheel his wheelchair by himself over dirt shouldn't tell someone in a car, which is, I'm going to go call the cops. Yeah. Hmm. He, we now get a chase scene between a man in a wheelchair and a Porsche. <laughs> which is hilarious. They yes. creep around the corner. <laughs> and then he gets, he, he his wheelchair can't make it up onto the lip of the front steps of the house. They gun the car, and the old man, in a last act of absolute badassery, <laughs> swings his fucking wheelchair around 
and plays chicken with the goddamn with Porsche. With the car. Oh, yes. He, he loses. <laughs> yeah, he, he loses, but boy, what an effort. <laughs> Turns out... His money was hidden in the wheelchair. Oh, man. Isn't that always the way? It's always in the cushion. Or, yeah. You know. So Varley gets out, and she starts collecting the money. And she's like, okay, you need to go get the knife out of out of, uh, out of of Billy. Varla's like, okay. She goes around there, and uh, the vegetable's crying. He's been crying yeah. ever since he saw Billy. He's like, man, right? she was my favorite one. Yeah. And um, she comes up, and she says, I need the knife. Pull out the knife. And he's like, it's your knife? And she's like, no, no. No, 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 no. It's Varla's knife, actually. Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> and he's like, well, okay. And he pulls the knife out. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to give you the knife back. And she's like, that's exactly what I want you to do. Give me the knife, the vegetable. And he's like, okay. And then he gives her the nice knife back, and the movie's over. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, nah. He, he, what, what, what he does is he stabs her a bunch of times. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, he, he, he says, I'll give you the knife. Yeah, and then he stabs her like 19 times. Boy, he, he sure does. He, he gets his money's worth out of that stabbing. <laughs> and now Varla's like, oh, good, the other girls aren't around to stop me from killing people That's anymore. Right, all this money is mine. Excellent. So what does she do? What does Varla do next? Uh, she tries to ram the vegetable with her car. Well, first, she hits the vegetable with her car. Oh, yeah, she hits him first, which it doesn't hurt him all that much. Well, no, it does, because he, he can't he, stand back up again. He's he, crawling he, around. He crawls, yeah. He, and uh, and then she she corners him against a wall, and she she said, I'm going to do this nice and slow. I'm going to smush you against this wall. Uh, yeah. But thankfully, the vegetable has superhuman strength. He's like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> he pushes the car back. And then the tires, she's revving the engine so hard that the tires dig themselves into the ground, and now the car is stuck, and she can't kill him. Yep. Don't you hate that? Yeah. Oh, I hate that. He falls down. He's still alive. Yeah. She doesn't kill him. She's like, I gotta, I gotta beat cheeks. And so she jumps into a truck, into their truck. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, we come back to the desert. And Kirk and Linda are walking through the desert, and, and she's like, yeah, and so then I figured I would go to beauty school after after we got married, but now that he's dead, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, well, I've been taking care of my crazy father and covering up his murders for the last ten years, but overall I'm a pretty decent guy. And she's like, you seem like a decent guy. Well, you know, I try to be. And, uh, you know, one of these days my old man will die, and then I'll just, uh, me and my brother, I guess, will, I don't know, go pick crops. In the California, <laughs> in California, I guess we'll just be simple farmer folk. We'll just change our names. I, you know, I've always liked George. I think George is a good name for me, and uh, my brother could be uh, Lenny. I guess I don't know. That's a good. That suits him. It suits him. Yeah, it's a good name. You like rabbits? <laughs> I guess I don't know. Tell me hey, about the rabbits. I think your 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 brother's driving up in the truck. Is it him? Oops. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Kirk Kirk does manage to notice that it's Varla yeah, before it gets right yeah. on top of them. And Varla wants the set. She wants all of them dead. <laughs> I'm just killing everybody. That's right. So now we get chasing Foo, in which she's chasing with a truck, and they use the landscape to try to separate her from them, and then they go up on train tracks, and then Varla pretends she's a choo-choo train and drives down the train tracks for a little while, chasing after them, and then they keep running and running, and then they go into a culvert. 
and we have a culvert fight. Yeah. Between Kirk and Varla, right? Yep. Oh boy, karate chops aplenty. Oh yeah. And Kirk does not know that there isn't anybody that can be her. <laughs> <laughs> because finally she's karate chopping him good. And he's on the ground and Linda goes, "Hey, there's something I haven't done in this movie yet." <laughs> I want to get in on this. I want to murder somebody. So she gets into the truck, starts the truck up, hits Varla super hard with the truck. She flies Boom. 900 feet through the air. Yep. Falls down, raises her arm in defiance one more time for a final karate chop that would probably kill Kirk, but she dies. Ugh. And now we have no one to root for in the movie. <laughs> I know, God. Don't you, yeah, I hate when they kill off the hero. Linda's a bit upset that she murdered her. She's crying really super hard. Kirk's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, look, you get used to it. Look, we're still alive. Come on, let's go. Don't worry. Killing gets easier every time. Hard cut to hard credit on top of that? <laughs> like, right on top of it. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it really is. Do what you need to do and get the hell out. Yep. They drive off, end of movie. As the credits are rolling, end of movie, Jason rewinds it. <laughs> grabs some more Vaseline. Start again. <laughs> <laughs> Varla will return in Varla, Princess of Darkness. <laughs> I'd watch it. Duh. I'd watch it. A butler, a mysterious butler comes out of nowhere and scoops up her ashes <laughs> and t- takes off her I'm magic ring. I'm surprised she didn't turn into ashes when she died. <laughs> She's returned her, to the evil that spawned her, her. Her body explodes and a bat flies up into the sky. <laughs> We'll meet again! A UFO beams up her body. (laughs) (laughs) They have killed our greatest champion. (laughs) Ega comes down from the hills. (laughs) Vola! The end, Steve? The end. Alright, Steve. Uh Uh How did you feel about this classic sexploitation film? And so much more. <laughs> Faster, Pussycat. Kill, kill. <laughs> well, it, it it will be probably no surprise to anybody listening to this that I really liked it. Uh, I don't think we haven't exactly been coy about we it. We haven't in this hidden show. that fact. Um, we both really liked it, and uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, I, when we when we were chatting briefly before we started recording, I said it was really fun, and you said, "Well, mm-hmm. it's kind of a strange word to use to describe the movie." But yep, um, it is. I mean, it is. It's it 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 definitely goes to some very dark places, especially toward the end when the murders just start piling up. <laughs> and, and I mean, even it, you know it, the the violence escalates. I mean, the narrator ain't fucking around. No, no, they're right they're, about it, the point where like that narrator lied to me about all the violence. That's when the hits start coming. Yeah, literally. Oh boy. <laughs> well, and and you know the uh, the death of safety first Clyde is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. If watching it for the first time, it. I mean, it is kind of something of a shock. It's very much of a shock because I don't think anyone had seen anyone get murdered like that in a movie. No, and and the movie up to that point was you know it was it, it was v- very much like oh they're dancing and they're going for a swim and they're having a girl fight. You know, it's just sort and of I'll like. And I'll also put you. I'll I'll give you this much. That's probably the first time that anyone watching a movie saw a woman kill a man. Kill a man, Physically, yeah. without using, like, a knife or a gun. 
Yeah, like, oh, literally yeah. besting him in combat and then breaking his fucking neck, just killing him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So that that is it's like oh shit, that's oh wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but even with that 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 dark subject matter and that the level of violence that the movie occasionally goes to and the um, implied grossness of this universe oh my god and and think about this and if you don't necessarily if you don't know this it doesn't really factor in but the 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 actress who played linda uh the the gidget uh, analog uh, yeah. was only was only 16 at the time that this movie oh, was filmed. That doesn't spread me. Uh, her mother had to be on the set like the entire time. Oh yeah, and so that adds yet another layer. And like it, it amplifies the skeeviness of of the and way if, people look at her character and talk about her character. And if you think this is dark, um, look up the biography for uh, uh, for Tura for Tura Satana. Oh, Tura Satana, yeah. Because her real life was way darker than this movie. Yeah. I don't want to get into it because it's just gross and awful. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, but, so what, what, what this movie shows, I think, is uh, because it, it does manage to, to be a very fun, exciting movie, even with the violence and, and the, the death and the dark subject matter that it has. Um, it's, it's a perfect example of how powerful tone is oh, yeah. because this movie strikes from the very beginning from that overwrought narration to the hard cuts to like the dancing mm-hmm. to the then the 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 equally hard, the the cuts to like the the close-ups of the girls driving and laughing in this really exaggerated way it's almost uh-huh. uh, it's almost it's surreal it's just absurdist the way well he the, did the, do the elevated he was reality. known for that it's yeah kind of oh, elevated, definitely. yeah it's definitely an elevated reality and and it, it makes everything seem like it has a touch of irony to it, like a touch of sarcasm, as though even when really dark, serious things are happening, you almost feel like the filmmakers are, are sort of elbowing you and going, can you believe this? <laughs> you know, it just it has there's an audacity to it of, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it, it it's in terms of like the plot developments, like when Varla kills uh, safety first Clyde sometimes it's just in certain shots like when toward the end when they're running from Varla driving after them in the truck yeah. and and they're running on the train tracks and Varla just turns the truck onto the train tracks and is just driving straight down the train tracks after them it's like what is this movie going to do next you know yeah. they're, they're, it's you literally get the feeling that nothing is off limits that there's not there's no place that the movie won't go to to, to shock you or titillate you or entertain you Mm-hmm. And 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 that really carries the movie. That's what makes it great. Because, I mean, Varla is an awesome character, and and uh, Tura Satana gives an awesome performance. But she's not necessarily someone you root for. She's not necessarily a, she's not a heroic character at all. She's violent, and and she's funny. But you know, she's not at all like an admirable character. No. Um, but she's the closest thing to a protagonist that the movie has because we don't really. I mean, Linda is sort of the person in jeopardy, but we don't really spend a lot of time with her. She's not really you know developed mm-hmm. as a character. So the movie really runs on its its ability to generate thrills and and just it, the 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 sheer inventiveness of it and and mm-hmm. and and that that perfectly pitched tone of you know the the music is a big part of it the 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 incidental music that jazzy score that oh, sort yeah. of gives it a certain feeling underneath all of these things um and uh 
and the the dialogue, the the incredibly heightened, like hard boiled detective slash mod slash beat poet dialogue that people <laughs> all have. Um, it's just it's it's one of the best examples you can think of that I can think of 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 how much a movie can benefit from finding the absolute perfect note and just hitting that note over and over again. Yep. Um, there's so much of this movie succeeds just based, not just not necessarily on the material itself, but on how the material is executed. Um, that makes all the difference. Uh, Roger Ebert always said, and Roger Ebert was a huge admirer of Russ Meyer. A massive and, Russ Meyer. And, and, a, and a friend of Russ Meyer, and actually mm. co-wrote one of Russ Meyer's movies. The only, the only screenplay credit that Roger Ebert ever had was for uh, uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yep. And, um, and, and Ebert always used to say, it's not what a movie is about, it's how it is about it. And Faster Pussycat Kill Kill is a, a terrific example of how you can take material that, given a different approach or in the hands of a different filmmaker or a different cast, would result in a vastly different movie that probably wouldn't have been nearly as entertaining, wouldn't no. have been nearly as influential. Uh, but with this cast and with this director and and approached with this angle and this attitude, mm -hmm. uh, it it really becomes something special. It really becomes this this a really indelible one of a kind movie. Um, there's a there's a directness and a simplicity to it that you 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 often will only find in really well executed exploitation films. That's one of the things that makes the exploitation genre sh so compelling to a lot of us. Is that yes, there's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of movies in it that are just awful that don't deserve a first look let alone a second look but every once in a while you find a movie like this that takes that stripped down low budget you know sort of atypical screenplay type of movie and just nails it and you get this this pure almost perfect thing uh that you wouldn't necessarily expect to get from um, um from a, a, a movie with a bigger budget or you know a more distinguished cast yeah or uh, and, and yeah it's just it's 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 a really, really terrific movie, and it's it it does everything that it tries to do incredibly well. It's yep. a model of of execution. So there you go. I liked it. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> My turn. <laughs> okay. So surprise, surprise. I like the movie. You guys knew that. You knew it last week, the last episode when I when I when we said we were going to do this movie. But the reason why I like this movie is because Russ Meyer satirized American culture. He loved, he knew what buttons to press in the culture at the time, and no button could be pressed harder, especially in the 1960s, than sex. Yeah. Sex and violence. He also knew that the only way that you could really piss off squares <laughs> is if you made the women not only sexual, but also violent. Guess what, guys? <laughs> this movie passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. Now, am I saying that you have to have three protagonists in the film that murder people in order for you to have a movie that passes the Bechdel test? No. But for 1965, to have three women pass the Bechdel test, to murder people, to never, ever have a boyfriend or seemingly want one, they mm -hmm. want sex. They don't necessarily want a relationship. And then to saddle them with what would be considered a stereotypical female lead in, in the form of, of Linda... He is making a statement about American culture and really just jabbing a needle right in square America's eye. The pe uh, uh, Safety First Clyde and Linda 
are literally characters from a beach blanket bingo movie. Oh, yeah. These two characters stumble across these three other characters that he has created. When they're dancing at the go-go club, you don't get the feeling that they're being exploited. You get the feeling that they're exploiting the men that are there. Yeah. When they're all on their own, when he shoots these women, he shoots them in from power angles. He shoots them from the ground up, usually. Mm-hmm. That makes them lo- seem larger than they are, which are usually camera shots that are reserved only for men. If you look how women are shot in movies, almost even up to today, very seldom are women ever shot in a power angle. They're shot either straight on or from above. And when you shoot from above, you're, that is, you're decreasing someone's power. You're making them seem smaller, less, less significant. You're giving the viewer the vantage point of looking down on someone. When you give the viewer uh, the vantage point of looking up at someone, it implies that that person has a certain amount of power. And he loves shooting Varla and most of these characters from the ground up. Yep. When he shoots the old man, he shoots it straight on or from the top. Russ Meyer knew how to make a fucking movie. And he knew how to use his camera, and he knew how to tell a story visually, but not in a way that slaps you in the face saying, I'm making a statement. He disguised this movie, which is about, which was satirical about violence and sex in the United States, disguised it as a grindhouse film, and then put it out in the public for the public to absorb. We wouldn't be talking about it now. It wouldn't be a classic film. It wouldn't be a culturally significant film if it had just been any other grindhouse movie that came out in 1965. In someone else's hands, these three women would be much different than what he, than what he, uh, than what Russ Meyer brought forward. The yeah. story would have been different. Granted, it still falls into the same tropes. The three women who are violent and they, they, they're rebelling against society, they all pay for it. They all die. Okay? And the, ostensibly, the two good, quote-unquote, good characters, they make, it out, they make it out of the movie at the end. But here's the thing. Those two people are fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, who went from, I'm having a great time with my boyfriend, murders someone at the end and she is not really okay with it. Even though he says, okay, let's go, you you know, you had to do what you had to do, we have to go. You know, Varla wasn't really a human, or whatever he says at the end of it. Those two people aren't aren't in good places. Kirk has been raised by a psychopathic um, uh, father who hates his own son because uh, this came up at the dinner table. Turns out that when he was born, it killed his wife. And so he hates his son because of that. Um... <laughs> So when you're watching the film, one of the things that strikes you is you could easily say, oh, well, this is just like any other those god-awful cheap movies that were made in the 1960s. Like, e- we referenced one, Ega. Yeah. yeah. Ega is a cheap-ass fucking movie that had no budget and, oh, by the way, no script, really. Yeah. It would have been really easy for this movie to just be about a woman, uh, three women who are scantily clad, one of whom you may as she may as well not be wearing a top. Varla may as well just be <laughs> naked from the chest up. Yeah. But, <laughs> and it could have just been straight exploitation, a couple of murders, they could have changed the murders. Varla murders people by hand or hits them with a car, right? Yeah. That's not something that most women did. Like I said, in, in, when women murdered people in other movies, they either did it by accident or they shot them, but it was never something that they physically did to to the person that they're trying to kill. Barbara Stanwyck never strangled anybody in any of the film noirs that she was in. <laughs> 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 so, was that stuff put in there for shock value? Sure. But here's the thing. It also drove the plot. It also made the movie unique. 
I think one of the reasons why a lot of people may not have seen it is because of the amount of shock value, but I think what was shocking to them was that here were three women who were self-possessed. Yeah. Who weren't, uh, who did not tolerate men ogling them. (laughs) (laughs) Who had no qualms about calling people names. They abused that gas attendant like oh. crazy. <laughs> Everyone calls him a name. They call him, what, cue ball and squirrel boy and God yeah. knows what else. <laughs> and Varla, yeah, Varla, Varla gave, but here's the thing, Varla gave um, Safety First Client at the beginning of the movie two chances to walk away. And he didn't take them. Nope. So I'm not saying it was justified that, he, that she'd kill him at the end. But I think one of the points that he was trying to make was he these people are underestimating, underestimating these women. Right. He assumed that, that he could get the best of her. Yeah, because he's a girl. Yeah. And he has this floor mat of a, of a girlfriend who's just like happy to, oh, he does all these things and I, I time him and I sit on my little bench and I drink soft drinks and da-da-da-da-da. And Russ Meyer is such a good director that at that point, when, when, when Gidget and, and St. Louis Clyde <laughs> drive up, and they get out of that car, you know it is probably f- one of the funniest scenes because you already know who these women are and that they are not going to dig on these two people. No, you know it's not going to end well. And that's only, what, seven minutes into the film. Yeah. And we already know who these women are because he's clearly demonstrated to us, oh, they like thrills, they don't, they don't like uh, playing by the rules, <laughs> and they do whatever they want. But... In the end, when you when you take a look at the film and you pull it out, what you get is you get great cinematography, you get great editing, you get a great script with with dialogue that sticks with you. It's eighty three fucking minutes long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he made it for about the same amount of money as all of the other garbage that came out from Grindhouse at the same time. But he turned in a fucking movie that people are still going to watch a hundred years from now, and that's because when you watch it, you don't forget it. When you watch this movie, you, it's not just some, you know, oh, it was goofy fun and oh, whatever. Now, are there going to be people who are going to watch it and they're going to be like, I don't like it, I don't like any other people? Sure. Yeah, of course. Are there going to be people who are going to try to take it way too seriously? Sure. <laughs> but the the point of it, the point, the reason why I enjoy it, the reason why I, every time, I, I mentioned this to Steve before we started the podcast, I keep forgetting why I love this movie <laughs> and I remember every single time I rewatch it. Now, is it something that I watch all the time? No. I haven't seen this movie in probably ten years. Yeah. But as soon as I started watching it, I remembered every single reason why I love this movie. And every time I watch it, it gets better. Because I don't, as I mature as a moviegoer and as I mature as a critic, I'm looking for other different things every time I watch it. And this time what I noticed was how adept a storyteller Russ Meyer is. And how he really just brings it right up to that line. Where if he went much further past, we wouldn't take any of this seriously. And also, I, I want to mention this: all of the performances are, are very good. Oh yeah, for the most for the most part, the vegetable doesn't have a whole lot to do. <laughs> uh, um, but the old man, I believe completely that he is a psychopathic freakazoid. He is oh he is so, oh you hate him so much. <laughs> and I am going to disagree with Steve, even though they murdered you know safety first Clyde the beginning of it. I kind of wanted them to get away with that. <laughs> well, yeah. I kind of wanted them to do a triple thumb in Louise and get away. That's what I wanted. <laughs> they, I mean, they are likable. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're they're not they're not admirable morally, especially not Varla, but they're very likable. I mean, they're very appealing characters. Yeah, they are. They are, and they're fun to watch. And um, you want Varla to murder the shit out of that old man? <laughs> oh my god! And you know what? Satisfying death. That also oh, keeps yeah. in line with the old man's character, and it's still satisfying. I'm sorry, I had completely blocked the, the memory of him turning his wheelchair around and running straight at, Marla, <laughs> at, at Marla's car. But when he did it, I clapped and whooped and hollered, oh, and I, yeah. oh boy. But again, that's, that goes back to what I was saying about the, about the movie's audacity, where you're like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe <laughs> they said, you know how we're going to kill the old man? She's not just going to run him over. He's going to turn and charge. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, seems very modern. Yeah. On, in 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 retrospect, something that would, you would do in a movie today, not so much something that you would do in the 1960s. So, uh, in the end, Steve, classic, yes, good. Oh, <laughs> I'll say yes, 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 classic. We very highly much. recommend. If you guys have not watched this movie yet, go watch it. Go watch so at least you can say you've seen it. Because I, I here's another one of those things. You're going to see this movie in other movies, guys. Oh, big you're time. Gonna, you're going to see this movie in lots of other movies. And and that's one of the nice things about watching old films is that it gives you the full tapestry of the art form. And it, and it, and it helps when you can see how a movie about three killer women who barely wear clothing connects to Thelma and Louise, which is a movie that I just yeah. referenced. <laughs> It, it 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 gives you a better a deeper knowledge and understanding of of how film works and how movies aren't made in a vacuum and how everything influences everything else. So yeah, classic. And now it's time for our anti recommendations. <laughs> yes, that's right. This this is our first episode with the new recommendation. That's right. Now policy. remember, guys. Last week I said that if we bo- if we liked the movie, we would recommend you not seeing another movie rather than recommending another one on top of it. And if we don't like the movie, then we'd recommend something that we want you to see. Right, Steve? Exactly. So since both of us love this movie, we both have an anti-recommendation. A movie that, (laughs) if you haven't seen it yet, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't see this movie. Steve, do you have an anti-recommendation? I do. Actually, this was a tough one. Um, I thought on this for most of a day because after I watched Faster Pussycat... I was. I thought, you know, I really, I really, really love this movie. And what could I possibly recommend that mm. would be the opposite of this, but would also sort of be relevant and related to it? And I went through a couple of possibilities, and then I finally hit on, to me, the perfect recommendation, because I just got done saying how one of the things that makes Faster Pussycat such a great film is that it, it's a genre movie that is just so flawlessly executed. And what better anti-recommendation could I give than a genre movie that is one of the worst executed films <laughs> I've ever seen <laughs> and is just vile and hateful and is is what oh. Faster Pussycat could have been if it was made by far less talented people. Um, so the movie I am not recommending is the 1978 exploitation film, I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> It is, as as Roger Ebert 
said, we'll name drop Ebert yet again. Uh-huh. Uh, as Roger Ebert said in his original review from 1978, it is a vile bag of garbage without a shred of artistic distinction. <laughs> I don't see how you can put it any better than that. It's it's actually, it's, a, it's, it's an object lesson. It's an example of a movie that if you take a very charitable view of it, you could say that it had good intentions because it's a movie about... Um, about a woman who is getting revenge on men who sexually assaulted her. And you look at that and you think, well, maybe you could do something with that, you know? Yeah. But it's so bad. It's, abs- <laughs> it's, it's cynical and it's gritty and grisly and violent and graphic and completely un- unaccomplished artistically. Um, and just wa- one of the worst films I've ever seen. And it's not at all empowering to the female character uh it's it's just a gross terrible movie <laughs> and it is it is everything it is everything that faster pussycat kill kill is not where that movie has style and wit and and elevates its genre this movie is just a role in fucking you know diarrhea it's just awful <laughs> it's like it's like you take it's like you go for a swim in in like the the farmer's fertilizer uh, oh. tank it's just awful it's an awful movie ebert was completely right to call it what he called it and that's the movie that you should not watch mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned so there you go okay my turn do it as you know i like to take a movie from the same year uh that the the movie that we just reviewed came out and i'm sticking to that and so i was looking for a film that um is awful that i would not recommend anybody watch and um, I wanted something that was related to it, but I couldn't really find anything that was related to it. And then I figured, well, since Faster Pussycat Kill Kill is a thumb in the eye of American culture at the time, which was pretty square, heterosexual, white, and Christian, I decided that the film that I'm going to tell you guys to never, ever waste your time on... Look at it this way, guys. If you, if you take my advice, you're going to save yourself more than four hours of your life where you can do anything more productive okay driving thumbtacks into your skull would be more productive than watching this film all right the movie that i'm going to recommend which came out in 1965 at a budget of 20 million dollars this is a polar opposite of the of the film we just reviewed okay (laughs) this the movie we just reviewed had a tiny cast filmed in the desert probably only took about a month to month to make maybe And didn't cost anything. This movie has every star in Hollywood, cost $20 million to make, is more than four hours long. It is a tedious trudge of a film, and even though it stars one of my favorite actors ever, I am telling you to avoid this film at all costs. The film that you should run from is called The Greatest Story Ever Told. Oh, boy. It's the story of Jesus Christ. Yeah. From nativity to resurrection. Every fucking second of it. Boy. Oh. Now, now those of you might be saying, well, that doesn't seem like a classic film. It's not. It was nominated for five Academy Awards because, as we've covered, the Academy Awards are garbage. But... <laughs> It has Max von Sydow as Christ. Even that isn't enough for me to recommend this film oh. or watch it. Has Charlton Heston as John the Baptist. <laughs> yeah, um, everybody's in it. But there's one particular casting choice in this film that has made this movie famous, and that is John Wayne mm. 
as the Roman centurion who, after Christ dies, <laughs> has the line. <laughs> I can't even remember it now. It's truly this man was the son of God. Pilgrim. <laughs> Uh, there are a few other people in it. Uh, Dorothy McGuire's in it, Jose Ferrer's in it, and Telly Savalas as Pontius Pilate. Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> oh, boy. It is four hours of Drek. It is four hours of just slow moving. Some of it is well shot, but that doesn't make up for the fact that there are long periods of time where you're just like, oh my god in heaven, when is this going to be over? And it doesn't end. It, it extends time. You feel like you're aging as you're watching. You can see your fingernails growing. <laughs> Don't. There are other better religious movies out there. There are better movies out there about the uh, about uh, Christ out there if you really want to see it. I'm not slamming this because it's a Christian movie. I'm slamming it because it's a boring piece of dog shit. This one unending cinematic that keeps churning out of out of this studio's butt. But there is one one saving grace. Even though it cost twenty million, it never made its money back. It only made fifteen million. <laughs> no one was going to make another one of these things again. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, everybody's in it in these little in these little roles. And if it's fun for you to go, oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that. Oh, look, Roddy McDowell. Oh, look. Uh, yeah. No. No. It's bad. Don't see it. The The best way to watch it is to just have it on in the background during Easter dinner. So you can just kind of turn and look for like 30 seconds at a time. Yeah, and you'll see back. Max von Sydow staring at somebody and yeah. then someone staring back at him and then him mm. staring at somebody. Maybe someone slowly gets up. You're like, oh, it's that one. It's that scene. They try to recreate the, the Last Supper, the, the the painting of the Last Supper, where everyone's sitting on one side of the table, which makes yeah. no sense at all Cause, whatsoever. Because that's original. <laughs> sure, he was, he, he was the first director to think of that. If you want to hear Max von Sydow try desperately to cover his accent, and it, <laughs> have it not work a lot of the time, mm. then please... Flush four, more than four hours down the toilet and, wa- and watch the greatest story ever told. But if you're going to listen to Uncle Jason, don't. <laughs> don't do it. Well, that's it, Steve. We're done. That's, yeah, yeah, that's it. Faster Pussycat Kill Kill is in our rearview mirror. Bye, ladies. Good luck on the open road. <laughs> I feel safe because I'm pretty sure you were going to kill us. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we escaped. We are the lucky few. <sighs> but I see something coming up ahead, Steve. Yeah. Um... You know, every year, much to the annoyance of our audience, <laughs> since we're both baseball fans, oh yeah, and neither one of us are having a good season with our team. <laughs> no, um, we always like to do a baseball movie, don't we, Steve? Yeah, yeah, and you know, usually we the last couple of years we've tried to do it in the spring, but now we're we're getting toward no, the end the of the season. No, the first year we did it in October. Did we? Oh, that for oh, the yeah, series. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. But yeah, for the series. But uh, yeah, so we're we're you know we're in the second half now. We're coming into the end of the season here in the next few weeks, and uh, yeah. yeah, we're gonna do our baseball movie. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, the first baseball movie we gave a good review too, right? Yeah. Huh? Second ba- baseball movie we gave an okay review too, although yeah. we didn't necessarily think it lived up to the hype. Right. That was Bull Durham. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Hey, hey, Steve. What movie are we gonna review this time for baseball? I tell you what, we're gonna review a movie. I please, mean, monkey movie. Please, monkey movie. Please, monkey movie. Please, monkey movie. Monkey <laughs> movie. Please let it be the monkey movie. Monkey movie. There was the one where the monkey plays the baseball. <laughs> there was a there was a case to be made for the Air Bud baseball movie, seventh inning there fetch was. 
<laughs> which would have been purely for the title. Yeah, it would but have been. We figured it's not famous enough. Yeah. It's not nostalgic enough. Doesn't quite meet our criteria. Yeah, what we need is a movie where a certain generation of people will get really pissed off if we review it poorly because yeah. it's falling into that fucking. It's nostalgic, so it's good. Yeah, bullshit. we we remember watching it when we were in. Uh, for me personally, I remember watching it when I was in like middle school. So you know, I kind of have nostalgic feelings about it. But yeah, we're gonna review a movie that it definitely for people uh, around my age, uh, it definitely has a very strong following and is is thought of as a classic movie and is a baseball movie. So next week we or next next week next show uh we are going to review a little movie called the sandlot oh boy that's gonna be fun (laughs) for one of us (laughs) (laughs) maybe for both of us who knows maybe you don't know Maybe we'll both stamp it a classic. That's Maybe we will. Maybe both of us will stamp it a train wreck that doesn't deserve to be remembered kindly. <laughs> hey, maybe that'll happen too. It could well, be like, you know, when you have an uncle that you don't see in a long time and you remember fondly his visit, but every time he leaves, stuff is missing from the house. Yeah, like, whoa, wait a minute. Did Uncle Joe take that? Mom had all of her underwears and now there's none in her drawer. <laughs> wow. I was doing my regular check of mom's underwear drawer, and I noticed... I feel dirty in my own house now. <laughs> Don't ask how I knew her underwear was missing. Shut up. <laughs> you mind your damn business. I'm talking about Uncle Joe. <laughs> Don't make this about me. Uh, you heard it here. Next movie we're going to review is The Sandlot. So if you want to do your homework so you can get all the jokes, please go find The Sandlot and watch it. Yep. That's it. We're late seating. This has been Jason Harding. You can go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. The point is of no return, and you've reached it. I have? <laughs> Please don't beat me up. No, 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 no. It's just... It's, no. the, it's the end of the show. It's just the end of the show. I wasn't... Well, oh, okay. You're not going to break my back? No, but probably not. You're not going to emasculate me by beating me in a, oh, in, a, in a race? Honey, no. You're going to knock, knock, knock me over in my wheelchair? Mm, <laughs> no. No, I won't. I won't. Uh, you're not going to make fun of me because I'm scared of trains? Well, that. Uh, but I wasn't going to do it in front of you. <laughs> I was going to just do it while you, after, you know, when you were not around. Can't we just make out and roll around in the hay? Okay. Ah, see, I was saying that to Steve, not to Varla. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Our listeners are like checkbox number five. <laughs> yeah, I yes, knew they're it. definitely gay. <laughs> they, they played it off like they were talking about Varla, but we know. <laughs> They were only pretending to ogle them boobies yeah. during the movie. Well, hey. We know about them. <sighs> Actually, I just want to be Varla. <laughs> <laughs> She's aspirational. She's a very aspirational character. <laughs> like, you just want to walk through life with that level of not giving a shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You do want to kind of walk through life just not giving a fuck about anybody or anything. I don't need anything from you. If I need something, I will take it. <laughs> don't worry about me I don't want your approval I don't want anything from you <sighs> alright bye everybody bye everybody Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding produced by Jason Harding theme music Rollin' at 5 composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. 
You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemmy Listen. And thanks for listening. <laughs>